Hi, I'm Melanie Barr. Welcome to the She Built It Experience with Melanie. You're here because you want to experience the life and business that you crave. Join me as I talk to women who have successfully built it, a career and business that they love. We dive into the topic of how they built it and talk about everything from having the courage to make career leaps to the details of how to lead effectively, create successful teams, implement strategies for growth, and infuse tech innovation. Magic happens when we focus on the part of ourselves and our business that brings us joy. So let's dive in. Julie Henry is the president of Finish Line Leadership and the author of Wisdom from the Wild, The Nine Unbreakable Laws of Leadership Learned from the Animal Kingdom. A former zoo and aquarium senior leader, she has presented to over 1 million people across 32 states and six countries in settings ranging from auditoriums to boats, beaches, forests, boardrooms, and even underwater while feeding sharks and moray eels. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. You believe that nature is the perfect teacher for leadership development and can specifically help us to develop as leaders. I cannot wait to chat with you more about this. But first, tell us more about your early career and who you are. Yeah, thanks, Melanie. It's so great to be here. And I love talking all things leadership and wildlife and wild places. I'm a kid from Chicago, grew up in Chicago in Cleveland along the shores of the Great Lakes, but I always dreamed of the sea. Um, my mom was a teacher. My dad was in leadership development. So I just knew from an early age that I was destined to stitch them all together. My dad started his own business when I was 10. So I watched the entrepreneurial side of him. And as I got more interested in science, I went to work for zoos and aquariums, but at every facility I went to, I was always always saying to the people I worked for, hey, there's a lot of companies who would want to come here and do retreats because we can do leadership differently. And so let's reach out. And so every place I went, we were always reaching out to local companies, even like here in Sarasota, the tax collector's office came to the aquarium I was working at, et cetera. And so after doing that for about 10 years, I thought, well, I'm ready to do it on my own. I love that. How do you believe that nature helps us learn to deal with change? Nature is always dealing with change. And that's the very definition of nature, right? Every time you go outside, things are different. The sunset's different every night. The, your favorite animal may not be there. We overthink change. We get afraid of it. We feel like it's constant and we feel like we have to control it. If we look to nature and just take a breath and go, okay, yep, change is constant. It's always happening but nature has evolved to deal with it and not just survive, but thrive. Let's look at nature and apply them into our organizational lives. And that helps us relax and look at change in a very quantifiable way mm -hmm. that seems doable and not overwhelming. So often you're right. We are reluctant to do something new and to do something different. And do you think being out in nature or studying animals in their environment, we can learn from that? Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And just because I have studied a lot of science, it doesn't mean I know everything when I walk outside and that's restorative and comforting as well, because I can walk outside. I mean, just the other day, my daughter and I were walking along and she saw a, a bug, a, some sort of moth. I have no idea what species it is. It was super cool. It was black and white, but it just, she said, I don't know what this is. I said, I don't either, but let's watch and observe it. We use nature for resilience as far as self-care and, and taking a breath. But I think we can just as well walk outside and go, I need a new way to look at old challenges, old problems. And if I watch nature and maybe think about, I wonder why this, that question can also then apply to the problem we're trying to deal with in whatever aspect of our life. With COVID, we were all in the house so much. And I used to run outside and be outside. And 
I still would go outside during COVID, but just not nearly as much. So just this year, every morning, I'm going to get out and go for a walk or a run or a hike or something. And when I first went outside, it seemed odd. And I thought, okay, this is really strange that it seems odd to me to be outside so much every single day, but it really does change your perspective. When you come back to work, for the workday, after being out in the morning, you've taken in so many different things that you're more creative. Yeah. I love that. I'm so glad that you made that commitment again to yourself, you know, and it doesn't matter where you live in the world. You know, you can be downtown Tokyo and you can be out in, in the middle of Oklahoma in a huge farm and still see new things from nature. How do you think the wild inspires us to more effectively lead our teams? nature is built in ecosystems, right? And to have a healthy ecosystem, to have animals surviving in a place, you need a healthy habitat. You need a healthy culture, if you will. And then you need animals working together who are by definition different. If you look at the ecosystem, whether it's a coral reef or whether it's an African savanna or just the backyard habitat of wherever you live, you know, the trees are different than the bugs, which are different than the squirrels and the chipmunks, and that's on purpose. And so when we get into organizations first, why are we even debating if we need people with different perspectives on teams? I mean, it it has to be healthier that way. That's how nature is built. And then second, we make a lot of assumptions around people just kind of know things, but they don't. Nature is based on foundations, if we bring our teamwork back to let's re, let's set the foundation first to make sure everybody is recognizing the diversity of this team, building a healthy habitat, healthy culture around it, and then setting foundations in place, then you can go on and do what your team is uniquely designed to do. Mm-hmm. You're so right, because it really is those different perspectives that makes a company great and that makes a team great. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Why do animals and their environments teach us to build our resilience muscles? Maybe this is something that happens as we get older, (laughs) quite honestly. You know, I watch my kids and they'll go, I'm tired. I just, I just need to take a break or I'm mentally overloaded. I I need to walk outside. I mean, they're, (laughs) they're built like that, maybe because they're my kids, but just because they, they know they need a break. And so as we get older, somehow we just feel like, or the pressures increase and our job responsibilities and our family responsibilities increase. And we just ignore those built in limits. We have built in limits, but we just do more more is expected of us, more is needed of us. I mean, I understand I'm there as well, but we cannot outsmart nature. We cannot run forever and expect to keep running. Either we take ourselves out of the game or nature does. I mean, that's why I have this lovely picture of the cheetah behind me because she reminds me that cheetahs are built to run at top speed for what, a minute, maybe? And then they rest. It's my permission in one way (laughs) to give myself and the people around me. And then it's also the, you know, kind of hard knock on my head. Like, hang on, hang on. Why do you think you cannot smart nature and look how successful nature is dealing with change because they're resilient. I love that analogy. And you're right today with technology and social media and, you know, we're all so busy and going at this pace. Sometimes I have to schedule it in to make myself slow down. I have eight-year-old twins. So my day starts really early and usually goes pretty late. Um, But I have had to schedule in that time for myself to make sure, because I also love what I do. And I, you know, you love what you do too. So it's so easy to be consumed by that and not take that time to rest, like you said. Yeah. And then what a great role model you're being for your twins, right? Because you're modeling for other people and then you're teaching people how to treat you. So resilience is threefold. It's for you. It's for the people around you who are watching you. And it's for the people who are around you who need to know your boundaries. 
So true. And when they're little, you don't have a choice because they can't care for mm-hmm. themselves. And then when they get to a certain age, you're like, wait a minute, I need to take time for myself too. I need to make sure <laughs> uh-huh. that, that I am scheduling in that self-time so that I can be the best they can be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Mine are 12 and 14 at this point, And they know like, oh, mom, we can see it. We can see it's your cheetah moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Cheetah moment. That's, that's great. <laughs> Share with us more about your book and what inspired you to write Wisdom from the Wild. I was a senior in college studying science, studying education, and I got an assignment, which was teach kids about coral reefs. And I thought, well, not everybody's going to be interested in coral reefs. But if I relate a coral reef to a business and how the different organizational structures and pressures and how they withstand competition, et cetera, relates directly to the coral reef ecosystem, now I can hook two different kids, right? Who have two different interests. And that was the hook. And so when I thought, okay, I want to keep building these animal analogies because I think it helps the leaders understand how to grow and develop. And so every place I went, I would tell them animal stories. I've been um, underground in a mine in Virginia, almost 2000 feet underground in basically the middle of the night, working with shift workers, telling them stories about animals. And so it catches their attention differently. I wanted to put that down on paper so that I could share it more broadly with audiences and they could refer back to it. But also because I believe so deeply in it that there's something unique about the animals I picked, like sea cucumbers and naked mole rats and pelicans that are that are not always equated with leadership. And I think there are leaders out there that are may not feel like they're the leaders they can be yet because they don't display the typical leadership qualities. And my heart goes out to them because like, wait a minute, there's something unique about you just because you're not the loudest in the room or the something, something when people, you know, typical leadership qualities, you are a leader as well. And so for all of those reasons, I wanted to put it down on paper and share it more broadly. And can you tell us how one of those animals or the coral reef specifically relates to leadership? The coral reef, I use it in the book about teamwork, but as I started that analogy, if I were to show you a picture right now of a coral reef, chances are you would tell me about all the animals that are familiar, like sharks and barracuda and really pretty angelfish. And if I ask you what the most prevalent animal on the reef is, you may not know that the coral is actually an animal and the foundation of that ecosystem. And without the coral, everything else disappears. So the very direct analogy from me from the beginning was who are the people in your organization that are literally the foundation, but don't always get either the attention or the accolades that the sharks do and the barracudas do. And we need sharks and barracudas. But the thing about coral is if you don't respect those animals, it's systemic. One coral is like literally connected to the other. So as one coral gets sick, they all get sick and that's how corals die off. And that's how coral reefs die off. So when I've talked to organizations about this, it's the frontline staff who are overworked and don't always get their due, or it's the people who are quiet or the people who put in 20 years. That was my coral reef tie. And I, I built it into teams from there, but it's one of my favorites. Through your path as an author, what did that journey teach you? And do you have any tips for current authors or new authors that you learned going through the writing and publishing process? This is a whole subject into itself. And I'm so happy you asked me this. (laughs) I learned so much. I thought when I got my proposal accepted and I started working with my company and they asked me, okay, what do you think? How long do you think it's going to take you to write the manuscript so we can start 
scheduling all the edits. And I said, ah, like four months. <laughs> I was like, I've been doing this for a long time. Oh my gosh. It took a year to write the book. And then it took a year to go through the five rounds of editing, the cover design, the titling process, everything. So um, I have such high respect for editors also trusting their gut because they understand readability. They said to me, we can tell you're a speaker because you write these stories like really long, long, long form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like that's sort of well, you- 11 pages. <laughs> It's also your story. You want to tell it and it's meaningful. And I'm sure you want the book to come out the way you want it to come out, right? That is exactly. That's hard to let go of, right? But they're like, how about if we like just chunk it up and put some information in between so it'll get people to read? I'm like, well, that's a really good idea because they know how people read, right? I know how people hear the information. So, right. Yeah, I would say work with a company for me, it was really important that I could work with a company that I could retain my intellectual property, that I could retain the final rights over how my book came out. But if you're going to write a book, trust the people who know how to edit and title and do the cover design that they know their stuff too. And and I think it's been really fruitful on the, on the back end. That's really good advice. And I really like the cover of your book. It's great. Thank you. You are always exploring the outdoors. Why do you think this is important, especially for business leaders? It's important because two things, the outdoors is always changing and it will remind us, but also you don't have to be anybody other than who you are outside. And so you can let go of all of the layers you may be putting on for other people or the title you might be hiding behind that day. But on the other side, nature doesn't let you pose. Like you can't outsmart nature. You can't go paddleboarding in the ocean without any experience. You can't jump in a kayak without a life jacket and expect to be safe in all situations. So it's bookended for me. I love the fact that nature just wants us to be who we are and will call us out if we're not, and if we're not prepared. I ask this question at the end of every episode because I believe finding joy in what we do is so important in our everyday lives. Magic happens when we focus on the part of ourselves and our business that brings us joy. What is one tip you can leave with us today about how you find and live your joy? I love that you asked this question because when I started looking at my company this year, coming out of COVID or coming to whatever point we're at at COVID, I thought I need to lead with my values more strongly than I have been. And it's joy that comes up for me. And so my tip is to lean in strongly that instinctual boldness that you have and lead with what makes you, you in every situation. We've been putting all these layers on us with the virtual side, with interacting with our teams differently, with leaving our jobs. And we're trying on all these hats and trying to figure out who we are. So for me, every time I go outside, it's my reminder that that brings me joy because like we just talked about, I am who I am uniquely outside. And so when I go back into that meeting, I speak the way I speak. I am who I am. and I don't put it on as many layers as I would have if I'm trying to be someone I'm not or someone who I think that client needs me to be. They need me to be me. And that's how I find my joy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Such an interesting perspective and really fun to think about. And I'm going to think about it on my next walk and the next time I step outside. <laughs> Can you please tell our listeners how and where they can find you? Yeah. So find me, Julie C. Henry is across all social platforms. So on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, Julie C. Henry, it's also the name of my website. Reach out there and my email, julie at juliecheneri.com. If you are new to She Built It, we'd love for you to join us. 
We offer community memberships, masterminds, innovative virtual events, and meaningful connections to entrepreneurs and corporate leaders. Please also check out our She Built It shop, curated products from women-owned businesses who put their heart and soul into their beautiful and innovative products. We offer She Built It business consulting and the She Built It blog. Thank you to everyone around the world who joined today. Thank you to my editor, Rich Strefolino. Please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, together, let's let nothing stop us from experiencing the life that we crave.